Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everybody and welcome back. Thank you very much for joining me. My name is Deborah Hatswell and you're listening to BBR Investigations. Tonight's topic will be prismatic beings, electromagnetic entities, predator beings, invisible life forms, shimmer beings, the glimmer man, plasma man or quantum stealth forms are the host of names these beings go by. Not their name for themselves, but ours, the names that we give them, the people that see them. We have no understanding of these beings, no way of knowing what their purpose or objective is. When I was up at Bempton with the team and we captured an image of a cloaked creature, I realised just how close to it the team were. Yet with the naked eye, there was nothing to see at all. Whatever was out there could have picked us off one by one. Was it there the other nights we visited is a very valid question. And I think you'd agree with me when I say, if they can be right there in front of you, invisible, how many times have we all been within their clutches without ever knowing? Over the last few weeks, we've taken a look at some of the reports that come into BBR. We've looked at werewolves and dogmen, Bigfoot and woodwoofs, shucks and paranormal and UFO accounts. Tonight, I'd like to talk about one type of report that comes in that up to now defies all logic. The sentence I usually hear is, you could see the tree moving, but not what was moving it. Or, it looked like Predator from the film. I have reports for you from the UK, the US and the Philippines. The shimmering light beings. In 2012, Simon Segura and his then partner was shadowed by something impossible to name after visiting Tockholes in Darwin. Tockholes is a place I know well. There's a little car park just off the main road where myself and Mark go for a cuppa and a sky watch. It's way out on the moor, so there's less light pollution and very few visitors. We walk our dog there, and it's one of our favourite places to be, watching the sunset before driving home in complete darkness, as there are very few lit roads out there. One chap who was visiting the area with his then girlfriend encountered the strangest of beings. Both himself and his partner saw the beings and described them as looking like a predator, the cloaked being from the film. The little figures looked like human males, but they were only around two to three feet tall. One of the beings jumped up onto a wall in one leap, and they seemed interested in the couple as they followed and watched what the couple did. Simon's girlfriend tried to communicate with the invisible little men, but they made no attempt at communicating back. Carolina asked Simon if he'd encountered anything like this before, and he said no, 
but on two following occasions whilst out with his girlfriend. They did encounter the beings one other time. Simon described the beings as shimmering, almost invisible. Here's his encounter in his own words. He said, I've never seen anything like them before. They seem to approach and surround us. They look like little men, but they were invisible. We couldn't see facial expressions or anything like that, as they were see-through. And even though you could see they were perfect human shapes, they were no bigger than two foot tall. My name is Sysegard, um, and we're in uh, some woods in Tockholes in the Pennines, and I had an interesting experience here in 2012. Um, I uh, had an encounter with something very strange. I was me and my girlfriend at the time. We were suddenly surrounded by little figure figurettes of transparent. They looked like the, the predator and aliens, but they were only about two or three foot tall, and uh, they surrounded us and they were following us. Uh, and out of my corner eye, I could actually see see what they were. They looked like a little fella in a blue a long blue coat like they had in the, in the 18th century. <clears throat> and I was watching them all around us. And it was just so weird because it was just like a sh- they shimmered. They didn't appear threatening, but they just appeared curious. So we walked along this stretch of stretch of uh, Tockles Woods along the path and they just followed us along the path. I've never seen anything like it because when, when we stopped, they stopped and you could see through them. So that's my encounter was something very, very strange. They just went into the woods and they just walked off and disappeared into the woods when we reached the reservoir. So we're walking along, just I think we're just south of the reservoir. And as we walked around the bend and came onto the reservoir, they just stopped following us. We just crossed over the reservoir and were gone. And it was just like, uh, it had human proportions, like an adult proportions, but it was only two foot high. How did it move? <coughs> it just jumped, but it leaped up onto the wall. In a single bound? In a single bound. Uh, it was, uh, when was it? Uh, it would have been about August 2012, so it was a summer's day, a yep. warm summer's day. As you heard, Simon found it really hard to describe what he was seeing. These beings were cloaked somehow, so their outline is seen, but not the true self, so to speak. No doubt there are thousands of explanations, from gin to quantum cloaking beings. In the northeast of England, there are two reports that will explain a little bit more about the behaviour of these beings. Now, a prismatic thing, as it was described, was seen in August of 2019. And I did notice that Simon said his account happened in August, summertime, but two very different areas. Witness report from Jay Huff. I work in Durham and part of my daily walk to work takes me along Quarry Heads Lane. It's a small lane which skirts the famous peninsula with its cathedral and castle. The road is a row of tall trees and a school field on one side and the steep wooded riverbank on the other. So it's completely enshrouded with trees. I studied ecology at university and I still have a great appreciation for wildlife. So I take the opportunity to scan the trees whenever I'm out and about. Since you never know what you might see. Even in the centre of Durham City, is surprisingly rich in wildlife. We have bluebell woods surrounding the riverbanks and I often spot squirrels and jays and nuthatches during my walk to work. On this particular morning, I'd walk past the majority of the trees and I was just approaching the edge of the wooded area when something caught my eye. 
up in a tree on the other side of the road on one of the lower branches, it was waving about as though something was moving around on the branch. On the branch was something which I can only describe in my head as a prismatic being. While there was nothing immediately visible on the branch, whatever this being was, it was somehow refracting light. Its outline was splitting into panes of rainbow colours, just like the the light reflection from a cut diamond or one of those old-fashioned glass prisms. And it was the movement and the flash of blue light that first caught my attention. But there was definitely other colours in there too. Where it wasn't refracting the light, the creature was completely see-through and I could definitely see leaves through it. I did a double take, as you would, and I wanted to make sure that I'd just seen something odd. It was a trick of the light, but it wasn't. And it wasn't light reflecting off my glasses. When I looked back, it was still there. And I made a mental note to get an idea of just how big this thing was. I'm used to seeing squirrels in the trees, and this thing was definitely bigger, probably the size of a cat. Not wanting to intrude or scare it off, I walked on, leaving it be, although the temptation to stop and stare was immense. I've been trying to rationalise what I might have seen, but I can't. It's a visual migraine, or something like light reflecting from my glasses, because he can't stay focused over one spot in the scenery. It was none of those things, and I came up with them all to explain it away. I can't describe the tree. I can't describe what I saw. I wasn't drunk. I wasn't tired. And it was only 8 o'clock in the morning, and it was bright daylight, so it's the best time possible to have a clear sighting. And yet I still don't have a clue about what I saw. Judy's husband is a well-known paranormal investigator called Chris Huff. And Chris passed on a report that he'd taken in the northeast where a prismatic predator being was seen attacking a dog. Another point to know is this next report also takes place on military of defence land, which, as you will see, does seem to play a part in some of the reports I'll read later. First, let's visit RAF Woodall. Chris Huff told me this report and he said... I've been to the dispersals and the bomb dump of former RAF Woodall Spa in Lincolnshire a few times now. The area is partially covered by woods of the Oslo's plantation. Every single time I've been there, I've experienced a very uncomfortable feeling of being watched, a foreboding of not being welcome, and even a feeling of being threatened at some points. On one occasion in 2010-2011, in another part of the plantation, but just a short distance away from the dispersals, my friend, Glenn Jolly, who races husky teams, was out practising around Oswald's plantation in the early evening. When he and his two dog teams got to a certain point of the course, a crossroad... Leftovers. Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or. House cleaning. Or. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Woodwork prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ...of tracks through the woods. One of his dogs, Mika, reacted violently to an unseen presence. It was almost as though she was being attacked by something unseen. Mika had suddenly veered to one side of the track, and Blade, which was the larger male husker, had followed her. The sled came to an abrupt stop, throwing Glenn off balance and onto the ground. And then as Glenn watched, Mika was on her back on the ground, howling and whining as though something was on her, attacking her. And at this point, Blade stepped in and stood over Mika on guard. He had his echoes up and he was snarling, which seemed to cause whatever it was to retreat to a nearby tree. For Blade, still on guard over Mika with his hackles raised, was snarling and staring at a point about eight feet up in the tree. Glenn didn't see anything and he eventually managed to get the sled in order and move off for the van and home, somewhat shaken by the experience. It would seem that the animals had no problem seeing whatever was attacking. Yet as humans cannot. Is it some kind of biological thing, you know, technology natural to beings we have no understanding of? Or is it a technology produced by an unknown hand? Our next report also takes place on military defence land, in an area where tunnel systems were built on old sacred sites here in the UK. Witness report. I was visiting an abandoned tunnel in Dorking Deep Dean, which I'd been to before with my two friends. All went fine, and we got some great pictures. And when I got back, I told my brother, and he really wanted to come out and visit there. So I took him back. It was late in the evening when we went back, and we found the tunnel easily. And just before I was about to climb in, he tapped me on the shoulder and said, I can hear something. So thinking it was other explorers, we stepped back a bit and stepped back into the trees. And we listened. Couldn't really hear anything, so I suggested we carry on and go back to the tunnel. I hadn't really noticed the two dogs barking in the distance, when all of a sudden, this loud roar, which I can't explain, happened, and it shut the two dogs up straight away. And it was the silence that made me realise the background noise of the dogs had stopped, and I never heard them bark again after that roar. The next second, all these branches started to snap, like something was coming rapidly through the trees towards us and it was moving the trees. It was breaking and snapping branches like they were twigs and then it stopped suddenly and went silent. After a couple of minutes, my brother said, what the hell was that? And I slowly whispered back, I don't know. Just don't move. Whatever it is, it's big. And we just stood there for around 10 minutes in silence, not saying a word to each other. We just listened. I felt like it was watching us, 
but I didn't say anything to my brother because I didn't want to scare him and I didn't want to run. I didn't know what to do. So we just stayed there for another 10 minutes in silence waiting. We heard more noise, but nothing like the first time. And this was more like something walking about on dead leaves, but that could have been anything. So eventually we did leave. Just north of this area, there's a cluster of cryptid and UFO reports. And one of them could possibly be the same creature that Will and his brother experienced close to the tunnels at Dark and Deep Dean. And this happened about two years later in 2018. And the witness said, Deborah, I've not forwarded this experience to you until now, because I was hoping as time passed that I'd have come to some sort of logical explanation about what had happened and I'd be able to write it off as normal and forget about it. But two years later, I still can't. I still struggle to understand it exactly the same as I did while it was happening. My only thought was, I can't believe what is happening. At the time, it wasn't a figment of my imagination. It's as real to me today as it was then. And no amount of time passing will change that fact. It was, quite simply, out of this world. At least outside the realm of anything I've heard before. It happened when I was on my way to meet a friend at Denby's Winery in Dorking, um, quite close to Dorking Deep Dean, summer of 2018. I got off the train at Box Hill and West Humble Railway Station around lunchtime, the beautiful summer's day, and I was strolling down the road without a care in the world. I was feeling happy and relaxed. I was looking forward to meeting my friend. But just as I reached a section of the path by the gate that had a no entry sign on it, beyond that, was what looked like an overgrown area of woodland. It was heavily thick with trees and blackberry bushes. It looked inaccessible. I stopped dead in my tracks on hearing something moving around in there, which at first sounded like a person foraging around in the undergrowth, and then were brushing up against the trees there. And that was until I heard what followed. The sound of unbelievably heavy footsteps on the ground close by. But the maker of those footsteps was completely out of view. They were invisible to me. There were no ordinary footsteps. They came from two feet, well spaced apart, that literally pounded the ground. It was so loud, I ran across the road feeling terrified, thinking what on earth could make that much noise and how huge it must have been, as I realised no human was capable of doing that. Uh, as if that wasn't bad enough, what followed was even louder. I heard the unmistakable sound of a tree being thumped really heavily, thumped with brute force, and then came the sound of splintering wood before it fell with a loud crash to the ground. I could not believe what I'd just heard, but instinctively I knew I had to get away from there as soon as possible, which is what I did. And I think the shock of what had just happened put me into flight or fight mode. I was full of adrenaline. As there's no way I'd have been able to run at that speed, I did, all the way to Denby's. That's not usual for me. That is not usual for me. When I told my friend what had happened, she believed me, as she'd never seen me in that state before. I was wide-eyed, petrified, and pouring with sweat and fear and totally out of breath. I grew up in Surrey. I know the Box Hill and West Humble darking area well since childhood, and I'm, mar I'm middle-aged now. And this was like nothing I've experienced before. Though I have had a few other experiences there, just not anything like this. Once again, we hear the description of wood being broken and smashed. 
branches that move by an invisible hand and loud footsteps downed in with invisible feet. One group of men had a terrifying experience in Yorkshire that fits very well with our invisible beings. This witness said, I've been to this area before with my friends and we'd had seen a dark shadow figure down at the bottom of the lane one night and on another earlier visit my dog Patch came shooting out of the woods and was absolutely terrified by something that spooked him a lot. That particular night we'd had lots of snow in Hull in the Paul area and by the time we got to our usual spot down Newlands Lane the snow was a couple of inches deep at least but it had stopped. My memory's hazy but I think it was either 02 or 03. The snowbound road and countryside gave a really different dimension to things, the most obvious being that everything was much brighter and it was cold and very quiet as I let Patch out the boot after his quick call of nature. He got back in. We sat in the car with the windows half down, having a smoke, talking in low voices. We all remarked on how quiet it was. There was no sound at all. The night was still. I remember my window was open as I was smoking. I was on my second cigarette by then. And then everything changed in a second. It all happened very quickly, in what felt like milliseconds. I remember hearing a noise at the back of the car. Faint at first, but getting louder quickly. I was aware of Rob in the rear passenger side, leaning out of his window to investigate what the noise was. And as he realised what that noise was, the car suddenly erupted. We were shouting, screaming and swearing in panic. A loud bang sounded on the rear of the car. I automatically reached for the ignition and started the engine out of the pandemonium. I made out a few words of go, go, go. At the time, I had an old Volvo 340, which is rear-wheel drive, and that is not the best vehicle on the snow. So slowly and painfully, I moved that car, started just forward, and as soon as I did, I slipped it into second gear and put more revs on it. We were moving now at a fair rate. I brought the car up to about 30 mile an hour, with crazy speed on that road, but it still seemed way too slow. We cleared the first bend, and against great protest from my passengers, I pulled over roughly about a quarter of a mile at another passing place. It was only now I realised that Rob was in the back and he was sprawled across the back seat holding his head. Had he been attacked? No. Apparently, he'd bang his head out on the door, in the fr- on the frame of the door, in panic, trying to get his head back into the car after what he'd seen. That was a loud bang I heard. He was okay, with just a slight cut on the back of his head. I hadn't seen anything, but I did hear it. What I'd heard a second before the panic was footfalls in the snow. You know, that crunching sound that feet make on new snow. John and Rob were scared, but also excited. They kept saying, did you see it? Over and over. Also, what what was that? I was scared too, but I hadn't seen what they had. John had seen it initially by looking out of his passenger window, then through the wing mirror. Rob had been closest and saw the whole thing, with his head hung right out of the rear door. What had they seen? This is going to sound insane, but I believed them. I've never seen anyone that scared in my life, even to this day. Rob and John's descriptions were the same. Rob said he'd heard something approaching the rear of the car, like I had. He stuck his head out the window and looked back, and he saw footprints appearing in the snow. There were no feet or legs or body, just footprints coming towards the back of the car. 
He even described the snow flicking off non-existent feet. John's description was the same. It was unbelievable, but yet we'd experienced it. I was a lot of things at once. I was scared, excited, stressed, but also curious. I had to know. Again, against protest, I slowly turned the car around and headed back to where we'd been parked. I drove back and you could see the footprints in the snow. They led into the field beside the car, about 15, 20 yards from where we were parked. Clearly, whilst we were talking about what we'd seen and heard, it had been following us. It got almost right up to the car. We followed the print slowly this time with the windows up and the doors locked. Returning to the original parking spot, we noticed that the prints went right past where the car had been parked. And when we set off, it would have been right up against the passenger side of the car. We kept on following the prints, now clearly standing out in the snow. They ended, or rather began, in the middle of the road, about 100 and 150 yards away from our original parking place. Another man had a similar experience when he was driving for a living. And what he described it as was invisible monkeys. And this happened in Newport Pagnell. Um, and it's Andy Boo's report. And he said, I was he's a driver. He drives the roads of the UK. And on a number of deliveries, he saw something impossible to explain. Now, seeing a creature can be terrifying and a confusing event. Seeing something in stealth mode, moving through the trees is impossible to describe. How would you feel with that? How do you put that into words? This prismatic thing before your eyes that looks like it's reflecting the light or mirroring its surroundings somehow. And he described it as movement of energy, something similar to the invisible predator in the film. A swirling, moving enigma. Andy did a double take and they were still there and they went up the tree like invisible monkeys. The next day, Andy took the same route to make sure that it wasn't a reflection or a trick of the light or anything like that. And it wasn't. There was nothing there that could have given a reflection or anything he could have confused for the little invisible beings. He was puzzled, none the wiser he drove on. A few mornings after, he saw the same prismatic energy moving up that tree again. Whatever it was, it was either one big thing moving up that tree or a number of smaller beings moving in unison. On another point to note, Andy lived in a very rural area. One morning when he was getting dressed, both he and his girlfriend had a very deep, heavy breathing up close to the window. A paranormal team and an investigation in Nottingham got more than they bargained for on a lonely fire lane one night. This happened in Cotgrave, Knox, 1973. Um, I received a report from a fellow 14 who did a number of investigations in the 70s and the following decades. And he shared the following account with me. It happened a number of years ago. He said one of our team members, John, was alerted by the public that dog walkers and canoodling couples were being disturbed by something roaming the heights of the lane at night. You know, couples or people in the lanes reporting strange encounters. And John wanted to do a night investigation there and see if anything untoward happened. A short time later, on Saturday night, along with several paranormal investigators, we set off for the area in a dormobile van, arriving there about 11pm. 
We parked approximately halfway down the lane on a short grass field facing the way we'd entered. There's two small woods, one on either side of the field. There's one on our left, and that contains a small quarry. So we patrol the area in pairs, carrying one walkie-talkie and a torch. We walked down the side of each wood, as well as the field itself, and eventually it began to rain. So we set off back to the van for a well-earned cup of tea or coffee, and the rain was pittering on the van's roof. It was quite nice. And we sat comfortable inside the van, three sat either side facing each other, and the driver was in his seat. It was there for a while, discussing something or other, and the van driver shouted for quietness. And the rest of us could hear nothing but the rain falling on the roof. Listen, he said. And we did. And that's when we first heard a faint but heavy breathing sound, slowly approaching towards the side of the van. We sat upright warily as we listened to the slowly approaching sound. Passing by the outside of the van was the deep, heavy breathing of something. Kind of sound blotted out the noise of the falling rain. It was so loud. The breathing sound was so loud, it drowned out the noise of the night. Reaching the two back doors, the extremely loud breathing noise lowered in height down to the level of the square windows, and it stayed there. The back door windows were approximately a foot from the top of the doors themselves and something was staring through one of those windows at us and we couldn't see a thing, not a sign of anything standing there. But the heavy, stentorian breathing continued unabating all the time. Ron, sitting next to me and nearest to the back door on his right, raised his left arm into the air, holding a heavy foot-long rubber torch and holding it like a club. That's how frightened he was. I suppose even against an eight foot something or other that had been useless, we guesstimated its height by the height of the van roof before it lowered itself downwards, slowly, to peer in through the window. And that's exactly what it sounded like, as if something around eight feet in height was watching us through the window of the van, breathing heavily the whole time. This went on for an eternity. It seemed, as the long seconds passed by there, it went on forever. Listening to that loud, heavy breathing. We've got our eyes fastened on the door handles in case they begin to be pressed downwards for the door to open. I think we all gave a sigh of release as the breathing sound eventually rose up to its full height once more and then turning, began to walk away slowly in the direction of the wooded quarry. We all sat dumbstruck and silent for a while. It wasn't till the heavy breathing was half in volume of what it had been at the back doors of the van that we suddenly sprang into action, sprinting out of the van and dashing through the now open back doors. In our torchlights, the wet grass at the back of the doors didn't seem to have been pressed down or anything, yet something had stood at those doors for quite a while. We then shone our combined torch beams in the direction of the breathing and we couldn't see anything. And it just continued to slowly walk away in the direction of the small wood with the quarry in it. Back in the van, we discussed the strange situation for a few minutes. And then, with the van's engine roaring, thankfully to life, we left the field and the night behind us. It was around two years later, and I've been asked several times over the course of a fortnight to visit Althorpe Crossroads area, similar area, not too far between them and specifically at the last field on the right. 
I arrived there at 11pm and there was a small herd of a dozen or so horses and they were gathered at the metal gated entrance to their large field, just heads overhanging the top of the gate. About 20 minutes of forehead and nuzzle stroking, we were the best of friends. All was peaceful and quiet. There was a tall thick hedge separated their field and the one next to it which I was about to enter. There was no gated entrance to this field then, it was just a wide open gap. Entering the field, I walked by the side of this wide, tall hedge which was separated from the country lane on its left towards the crossroads on the Fossway, which again was separated from a large field by another tall hedge. I gave myself two hours and then I'd be away. Time passed slowly. Even in the best of moonlight, I could hardly see the opposite end of the field that I was standing in. Several cigarettes later, the time was about half twelve, and it was then that I heard what at first I thought was a small animal scuttering about, a hedgehog or a stoat, in the hedge bottom. However, the sound continued to slowly increase in volume, as whatever was making it was slowly approaching down the lane side of the hedge behind me. It wasn't until a dozen or so long seconds later that I finally recognised the noise. It didn't sound like snuffling now. But it sounded increasingly like loud breathing as it approached. And it was identical. It was deep and heavy breathing that I'd heard at Colwick Heights when I was in the van. My senses were fully alert. And as it passed me on the other side of the lane's hedge, the deep, heavy, noisy breathing sound was once more overwhelming. As it had been as if it stood at the back of the motor van on the heights. But this time, there was no van to shelter in and no other investigators on site. I was on my own. My reflexes and mind were in a turmoil. I didn't know whether to stay or flee. But I was inwardly angry about all the paranormal activity my family and my friends and myself had witnessed and suffered since 1968, never given any answers or ever being given an answer as to why. I determinedly stuck my heels in and decided to stay and hold my ground. But not without forming a quick escape plan, if whatever it was seemed aggressive as it came slowly moving towards me. I stood quietly, my cigarette cupped in my hand to show no light, as I heard this invisible breather slowly making its way down the narrow lane towards the field's entrance, the breathing noise getting less loud. I'm thinking, come on, it's either now or never. I'm just desperate to see what it was. I'm looking in the moonlight and I just couldn't see it. And it was when the breathing noise was half as loud as it has been. And it was, I heard the horses playing up and they began neighing and snorting and stamping the ground heavily with their hooves. After a dozen long seconds or so, I heard them turn as one and race pell-mell into the distance across their field and they were snorting and neighing loudly. The hooves were thudding as they went, and my resolve to stay vanished in that instant, and I left. Can you imagine being in the van with a team? Something eight foot tall that was interested in you is bad enough, but a something that is completely invisible to you is a whole other level of fear. You can't fight what you can't see. How do you outrun it? What direction do you flee from an invisible being that you can't see? What's the escape route there? In our next report, a man who was cutting trees close to Henley encountered a creature he could not see. 
What he could see was the tree shaking and snapping as the invisible creature made it through them. Couldn't see what that creature was, though. The witness said, I was told by a very good friend a number of years ago now about an incident that took place probably 20 years ago when I was a groundsman to a tree surgeon, um, and he was about 15 years my senior, I was his apprentice. I'll call him George for now. In those days, we lived in different parts of Wales, George and I. He was in the east and I was in the west. We got together and travelled down to Oxfordshire to subcontract for firms down there, as the money was always better. When we went away, we always camped in either tents or caravans. Whatever was the cheapest option to save money. And if we could camp or stay on the job site, that was even better, as it cuts out the travel to and from. On this occasion, George was down there without me, and I know the village well. I'd stayed there many times before. This location's on the edge of a village called Stoke Row, not too far from Henley on the Thames. We used to camp behind a pub called the Crooked Billet, which is on a quiet lane. It's a small field behind it, backing onto beach woodland with public access. A nice area, pretty quiet. George told me that one day he'd gotten back from work and he was lying down in his caravan after a hard day's climbing, probably around 5 or 6pm. He began to hear the noises of branches snapping in the woods nearby. And at first, he thought maybe children were playing, making a racket. However, the noises became louder. So much so, that he eventually decided to go and investigate as it was interrupting his rest. As he approached the woods, he could hear what sounded like large limbs being snapped in the canopy above him. Even more curious now, and not being able to see the source of the sounds, he headed straight into the woods to find out what was going on. At this point, the sounds of breaking branches seemed to move off through the trees away from him, and he was never able to see what was up there. He said, It was as if something invisible was moving through the canopy with ease, as if it was moving away from me whilst all the time being unseen. George also said he found large, freshly snapped off branches as thick as his arm on the ground. His conclusion was that it was something like an invisible orangutan. It had to be, to climb so fast and to be so strong, he said. He said it went through the top of the trees, moving fast, but I couldn't see it. I could hear it smashing its way through, and I could see the movement of the limbs and the boughs being smashed, but I couldn't see it at all. My next report comes from the United States, and it was shared with me via email by the witness himself. He contacted me after an experience he'd had with what I believe to be an invisible being. As we discussed earlier, the names for them are varied and we may not be dealing with just one kind of being. In fact, it could be many. Daniel said, I'm 40 years old and my name is Daniel Velasquez. I'm a construction worker in Seattle, Washington, and I want to share with you my own experience with the predator as, or as you all call it, the Glimmer Man. Up until now, I thought that maybe I was going crazy. This is the first and only experience I've ever had with anything paranormal or otherworldly. It was a very brief encounter, but I know what I saw, and this has made me question everything that I know. This was late August. The years was 2018. I was riding in the passenger seat of my work truck with my boss driving, and another worker was sitting in the back. We're on our way to a job site in Seattle and we were exiting the I-5 freeway, which is the main interstate between Canada down to Mexico. 
as we were exiting the freeway, I was just sitting back in my seat. And as I looked to the right, I saw this predator figure moving to its right. I jumped up in my shit seat and I said to my boss, oh my God, can you see that? Look, I was absolutely stunned. There was a little outcropping of trees and beyond that, there were three or four homeless people just going about their business. They seemed to be clueless about the figure that was walking about 20 yards in front of them. I was absolutely shocked and I didn't know what to say or do. I only saw the figure for about four or five seconds. And when I turned to my boss to ask if he was seeing this and then turned back to where it was, the figure was gone or I'd lost sight of it. It was exactly like the predator figure in the movie. Not the alien form, but the cloaked version. In my 40 years, I have never seen anything like that. My wife's the only person that I've told because I don't want people to think that I'm crazy. So I am glad to hear your show about the Glimmer Mandebe. Another gentleman contacted me via YouTube to share his experience with an invisible being. He said, Hi Deb, I'm an Australian guy who has a partner and daughter in the Philippines. We have a house on the outskirts of town. It's still quite residential. Anyway, I was outside the house sitting in a chair under the awning enjoying the quiet hot summer day and I saw this thing, exactly like the Predator Mover. I noticed it move across the vacant lot and climb up a large mango tree and there it stayed and it was there for some time and then it just disappeared or moved to where I just couldn't see it anymore. I've never told anyone this before today because I know no one will believe me but it's 100% true. It wasn't as big as the thing in the Predator Mover. This was more like the size of a large dog, like a German shepherd say. I really don't know what it was, but it was just like the thing in the Mover, and it was about 80 to 100 metres from where I was. And one more thing is, the tree was moving as it was moving up the tree, which made me think I wasn't just seeing things. No, I don't think it was. Whether we call it cloaking, quantum manipulation, electromagnetic entities or a shimmering being, it doesn't really matter. Worldwide, there are thousands of reports like this. A being that you can't see, yet you can hear, smell and feel it. You can even sense that it's there. You see its surroundings move or break as it goes through them. Yet the being itself is completely invisible and it's only movement that gives it away. How do you track a beast like that? How would you know where to look or even where to start? And for that matter, how do you hide from a being you can't see? Thank you all for joining me tonight and I look forward to our next time together. Please consider becoming a patron or a YouTube supporter or click like and subscribe, it really helps the channel. And until then, good night everyone.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.